Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to this week's podcast. I have this month's Patreon giveaway drawing at the end of the episode. And also, if you're seeing this in time, tonight, Wednesday the 5th, I'm going to be at iFix Arcade with the My Life in Gaming crew, Corey and Mark. So if you're in the New York City area and you catch this in time, come down and say hi. I'd love to meet everybody, and it's always a good time down at iFix Arcade. Tons of very awesome arcade games, some of the newer ones too, and just a bunch of uh, fun people hanging out. So I hope to see everybody down there that can make it. There's some updates on the next batch of the Ultra HDMI kit. Those are the HDMI boards for the Nintendo 64. Jason from GameTech spoke to Marshall, and he said that while there's no exact ship date for the boards, it doesn't look like there's any trouble, so the the previous pre-order shipments should all be on time. Marshall also mentioned that there's going to be a new firmware that should be available for the new boards that includes things like a 1600 by 1200 video mode as well as new, uh, new interpolation modes. So anytime you have new video features for free is a pretty big deal to me. So I'll keep everybody updated for when the firmware releases and if there's a solid ship date for the boards. There's a new project for NES games called the WideNES that it's supposed to allow for more screen space on NES games. So they got a little bit complicated when I was reading into it, and the person developing it is very clearly a software developer. But the basic premise is that it uses a special emulator and this new software to map out NES games as you play through them. So in the example on the screen now is Metroid, and as you're walking through the different parts, uh, now it could generate a map based on it, and you could have a wider view of the game. So while at the moment this is kind of something more for fun and would definitely not be something that you could use on original hardware, I think this is just another example of some of the amazing things you could do with emulation and really just another reason to keep messing with these things. So um, the link is in the description for anybody who's uh, interested in this stuff. Uh, They have pictures of Mario and of Metroid. And I even tweeted BU about it. BU, BU, I can never say his name right, I'm sorry, no disrespect meant, but, uh, and hopefully we'll be able to see stuff like this put together in the future. I mean, I think it would be incredible, even if it was just uh, on a packaged emulator on a Raspberry Pi or something, just to be able to experience the games like this and see what it's like. Marcus, the creator of the OSSC, has just shown off his CPS2 HDMI board working on a CPS3. It took quite a few takes to get all those acronyms in a row without stumbling. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, for anybody that's not aware of the project, I'll do this without acronyms, um, or minimal. Marcus created a board that would install into a Capcom arcade kit called the CPS2, which is essentially a console for arcades. I'm definitely oversimplifying here, but it's a system that you get, and you could swap out game cartridges, and it installs into the Street Fighter-style arcade machines. Well, the kit that Marcus designed for that taps the digital video signals so that you're getting a true digital-to-digital HDMI conversion that can go up to 1080p with no lag and crystal clear, not an analog-to-digital conversion, which is pretty amazing and impressive because you could do things like dual outputs. So uh, with this kit, you could still have the arcade machine working as normal, but then output to a streaming setup, which I think is absolutely nuts, and I would love to have more arcades um, integrate this into it. Um, And this version of the kit installs into the CPS3 arcade system, which uh, is just a different type of arcade board that supports different games. So now um, you'd be able to install it into both, 
and uh, I'm very excited to see these things in action. So anybody interested, especially any professional streamers, keep an eye on the, the forum page. Um, always tune in because as soon as uh, there's any info on this, I always keep everybody updated. But I just think stuff like this is incredible. And especially because I'd be willing to bet that the kits are probably going to be around longer than CRTs will. So uh, when, when the time really starts to come that CRTs are just too expensive to maintain, you could probably uh, get a flat screen zero lag monitor paired with this. And while it wouldn't be exactly like the arcade solution, at least the experience will be, uh, the feel of playing will be the same because you don't have to compensate for display lag. But it's a pretty exciting kit and I can't wait to get one. Vitor Vilela has updated his SA1 speed test to version 3.1, adding new test parameters and improving stability for hardware and emulator testing. So this is something that's still a little bit over my head and I'm trying to, to understand exactly what this does, but since I'm not a software programmer, um, I'm gonna try to make this as simple as possible without sounding like an idiot or being confusing. Let's see if I could pull this off. Um, basically, this is software that Vitor wrote to help people who are trying to make uh, software for the SA1 Super Nintendo chip whether they want to create a game utilizing its features or whether they want to take an existing game and get more performance out of it, reduce the slowdowns, add more sprites on, on the screen, etc. by utilizing that chip that way, uh, and making a ROM out of it. So people that use the SD to SNES or emulators that support it can have improved performance on their games or hacks by utilizing the SA1 chip hardware. Um, so. Overall, it just sounds like Vitor is creating tools to make SA1 hacks easier for people and to make testing and verification on these hacks better. Um, I may have screwed that all up. I don't think so, but either way, it's very ex uh, exciting stuff for anybody who's doing any SNES ROM hacks. And the thing for me personally that I think is most exciting about this is now with Red Guy's SA1 firmware for the SD to SNES ROM cart, um, you're able to use these things on real hardware and see the performance gains. Uh, I mean, on all original hardware, original controller, on an RGB monitor. So it's not just a cool feature for emulators. It's something that people could experience on all original equipment. But uh, hopefully I'll get a chance to, to interview Vitor one of these days and maybe he could explain it to me in layman's terms so I can grasp what it is that he's doing. <laughs> the creator of the Sentinel Supergun just announced a deluxe version of the product that has more options for sync and a few more features added as well as switch to a four layer PCB. Um, I know that the beta versions of the current Sentinel Supergun have been sent out, and I planned on meeting Beast uh, down at iFix Arcade in Brooklyn to test his. I know Beast did a lot of extensive testing, which I'll add the link below to that as well. Um, and I'd like to see for myself how this is going, because uh, I believe the initial goal of the Sentinel Supergun was to have uh, a beginner-friendly, good quality super gun that's a cheap price, cheap relative to how much super guns used to go for. Um, and I, I would really like to see for myself if they're able to pull that off and if this is really an inexpensive, great first step into arcade boards for home use, if you will. Um, so hopefully I'll have a, a short video follow-up uh, follow review video soon on this. But anybody uh, either interested in the current version or the new updates, check the link down below. There's now a new version of the homebrew fighting game SMS Brawl for the Sega Genesis. 
This is a game that uses some familiar backgrounds and characters from SMS games and turns it into a either one or two player fighting game. And I think it's really neat because you get to see backgrounds of things like Altered Beast and you get to have like Sonic versus I think Alex Kidd and some of them. And it's just a, a really cool and fun homebrew game that I've been following for a while. And uh, although this might sound silly, don't make the same mistake I did. Uh, this is a Genesis game. The title is SMS Brawl, but it won't work on a Master System, uh, which I will completely admit that I made that mistake the first time I tried to use it. But it's free to download, uh, and it's a pretty fun game, so if you have a way to play Genesis ROMs, including any of the EverDrives, definitely give this one a try. Someone just uploaded a project to GitHub that allows you to use a Genesis controller on PC Engine or TurboGrafx consoles, which is pretty cool because those controllers are getting more expensive and hard to find, um, I believe this converter is two different projects. The first is just a standard plug your Genesis controller into this and then plug this into the console. And then I believe there's also a board replacement that you could include inside Genesis controllers, um, which I do have a, some mixed feelings about. If you're talking about some of those very high quality aftermarket Genesis controllers where you could just rip out the PCB and put that in, uh, I am totally on board and think that's a great idea. But while Genesis controllers are way more abundant than TurboGrafx or PC Engine controllers, I do hate to see any original be destroyed for any use at all. But that's only my opinion. Um, and luckily the developer Ratboy gave us choices, which is also awesome. So anybody that's interested, uh, take a look at the link down below. Everything's up on GitHub. And, um, you know, personally, another opinion, um, I love the Genesis 3-button controller. It's my favorite of all the Genesis controllers. Uh, and I really find it to be super comfortable. So hopefully we'll, uh, we'll continue to see more love for the three-button controller and maybe even someday a really high-quality aftermarket replacement for it. Someone is currently scanning a very rare 150-page Nintendo manual, which is filled with original 90s artwork and different info on the SNES. Um, the first 50 pages are available for download right now, and the entire project will be able to download as soon as everything's finished scanning. Um, and it's, it's pretty neat, actually. Um, anybody that's interested in that stuff, there's a video linked in the page where a smoke monster goes over everything, uh, and it's a, it's a pretty cool watch. So anybody that's, uh, that has the time or interest in this stuff, definitely check it out. I finally got the opportunity to sit down and interview Jose from the RGB Modding TV video. And we talked about everything from the original uh, Chinatown Fair arcade scene to the RGB modding TVs and even the new arcade work that he's been doing uh, down at iFix Arcade uh, between re restoring their machines, doing the stream setup, and everything else. But it was a fun talk. We did it right in the middle of the arcade. Uh, we went there during the day hoping that it would be one of the slow days and right as we started recording people started coming in so it got a little noisy but it kind of captured the spirit of being there you know the bunch of people just hanging out talking arcade tech you know shooting the shit and then having insanity unfold around you i really enjoyed it and uh hopefully you guys did too uh, we kind of got cut short a little bit because uh i mean it did start to get a little too noisy and too distracting in there I had probably 10 more questions I wanted to ask him, but I guess that's just an excuse for a follow-up interview next year or something. But um, everybody who's even remotely into the New York arcade scene or RGB modding TVs or just wants to hear the behind-the-scenes opinion of somebody that's been working on this stuff for a long time, definitely give it a listen. There's a few updates to the Dreamcast HDMI project. 
First, I spoke to Dan, Citrus 3000 PSI, and he said it's still on track to be released before the end of the year. And flex cables have been ordered, and uh, he'll be testing them as soon as they come in. And next, on Christoph's Twitter page, he announced that the final version of the firmware with the on-screen display menu is finished. So that way you could access all of the features right through the controller. There's talks of adding a few more features before release, but as of now, it's just looking like everything is on track, and I'm really looking forward to reviewing one and seeing how it works. Bitmap Bureau just posted an update on their upcoming game, Xenocrisis, and the Kickstarter update has a whole bunch of information and things for people interested, but I just wanted to mention a few of the details that stuck out to me. First, they're unfortunately not going to meet their target ship date of October for the Genesis game, and they didn't really have any kind of replacement release date. They just said they're not going to meet October. And they also said that after the Genesis version's released, they're going to be putting out a Neo Geo version, which I thought was pretty cool too. Hopefully they'll offer the ROM for people with ROM carts and limited space and stuff like that. But I thought it was pretty neat that they're going to continue to add this to more platforms. Um, and I just uh, really looking forward to playing the game and seeing if it lives up to the hype. A new device was just announced called the Sync Slayer, which kind of reminds me a little bit of a Sync Strike, but more updated and modern. Basically, it takes the SCART RGB input and breaks it out to either a VGA connector or a screw-down terminal, and it could either convert the Sync signal to RGB HV, or just keep the original Sync but have it cleaned through in a, a more modern Sync stripper, the LMH1980. I'll try to get one of these in to test at some point, but as long as it performs as advertised, it should be a great tool that fills very specific needs. Um, and the first things that come to mind for me are, I've encountered a lot of devices over the years that you may or may not need to use that will accept an RGB signal, but need the syncs separated. Can't be combined as RGBS C-Sync. Needs to be RGB HV. But um, take a look at the link down below if you might be interested in one of these and uh, hopefully they'll be up for sale soon. An MSU audio patch was just released for Donkey Kong Country 3 that adds high quality CD audio that's playable through either the SD to SNES on real hardware or emulation. Whenever I see these hacks, I'm always tempted to play music, but I'm always nervous on what's gonna get flagged by YouTube. So anybody interested in this hack, the link is down below and there's also a YouTube video uh, with demonstrations of the different scenes and audio behind it. Pre-orders for the Polymega emulation box are now open. The delivery date is supposedly early 2019 and the price 249. The Polymega is an interesting device as it supports a bunch of different CD consoles so that you could play the original games right on it. All of the base models come with the CD drive built in. And there's also different modules for it that plug in that allow you to use original cartridges and controllers from different devices. And as far as functionality goes, I really loved that idea and thought it was a great way to add access to different consoles to this device. Um, as always though, the thing that really concerns me is performance and the overall experience. Will it actually feel like you're playing the original console or is it just using other people's emulation with a ton of lag and glitches and whatnot? 
Um, so I reached out to them last year when, uh, when this was originally scheduled for launch and scheduled an interview, but the interview kept getting delayed as did the launch of the console. So I just reached out once more to Brian, the person I was originally scheduled to talk to, and hopefully they'll be able to, to reschedule and we'll do another interview to talk about this. Um, I, I'd really like to get uh, a lot of technical questions answered uh, and, and really just I'm curious how it performs, bottom line. Uh, it's funny though, uh, I guess it got pretty popular um, after their announcement because their site is completely down and it just goes to a WordPress login screen. So uh, yeah, hope, I hope that that experience isn't reflective of the console. <laughs> but I guess all remains to be seen and uh, hopefully I'll speak to Brian soon and get some inside info. Someone finally reverse engineered the Sega Master System 3D glasses adapter. This is something I've been waiting for for a very, very long time because I love some of those original SMS games and always thought it would be great to be able to just play them through other devices such as the SMS2 or any of the Genesis models. Um, this device looks to be a, a recreation of the original and they have installation instructions for a Master System 2, but so far no one's put it in a Genesis. Which is funny to me because I always thought the front headphone port of the Genesis would be the perfect jack because uh, it's the same size and everything for the Sega 3D glasses. So uh, if anybody wants to try this, um, the, uh, the files can be ordered on OSH Park or Eisler.net. Um, the boards don't look too bad to assemble, certainly not as uh, complicated as a triple bypass, but more complicated than an average RGB mod. But once you get it together, if anybody wants to try installing one into a Genesis, please let me know, because it just so happens that one of the first pages I ever wrote on the website was this exact thing. You know, does anybody know how to integrate the Master System 3D glasses into a Genesis Model 1? So um, if anybody wants to give this a try and let me know, uh, please keep me posted. I want to see pictures of everything, and uh, I, if need be, I'd gladly help make installation guides for this thing. Um, it's my opinion that a lot of these Master System 3D games are awesome. Some kind of suck, but I just, I don't think it's nostalgia. I think it's just more fun for me to play Space Harrier in the 8-bit 3D glasses on the SMS than really any other version. Maybe the 3DS, but I mean, that's, I do like, uh, prefer playing on bigger screens, not the little portable screen, but, you know, Maze Hunter 3D or Maze Walker, as they called it in Japan, uses the 3D depth to create a totally different experience when you're playing the game. And you know, missile defense 3D. 3D, 8-bit missiles flying at your face in a light gun game that you gotta shoot. I mean, doesn't get any cooler than that when it comes to my opinion. So uh, hopefully we'll see these installed in some Genesis consoles uh, and I really just can't wait to try it out and uh, see if we could start adding this 3D adapter feature to a lot of the consoles that could play Master System games but haven't had the ability to add the adapter. Vertech has just opened up a waitlist for his Virtual Boy TV out adapter called the Virtual Tap. It's going to come in two versions, a RGB outputting version that takes the original resolution of 384 by 224, uh, squishes the horizontal and gets it into a 320 by 240p signal. 
Um, the, then there's also a VGA mode that doubles it to 768 by 448. So essentially 800 by 600, I'm assuming possibly with a black border around it if you run it in 800 by 600 mode. And both run at a full 60 frames per second and have different color palettes with, of course, red being the default. Um, the video modes sound awesome to me and I'm not really sure which one I would use. And I'm also curious if the few of us with 16 by 9 CRTs might be able to use an original resolution 384 by 224 version. Um, I'm going to speak to Furtech about that. I don't even know if that's possible, but I'd certainly like to try. Uh, and either way, I'm just excited for this because there's a few really awesome games on the Virtual Boy, and I think having a TV out adapter would add a whole bunch of fun for a bunch of reasons. Um, also, somebody had taken a prototype of this and made a consoleized Virtual Boy. And I do have opinions on this in that I know a lot of people that have broken Virtual Boys that can't really be repaired. Uh, and in that case, um, this is the perfect use for it. You get to salvage a console that wasn't working anyway. Some of the 3D glasses are beyond repair. I know a few people that had dropped theirs and the insides just completely shattered. But I just hope that nobody takes a perfectly good working Virtual Boy and uh, cuts it up to do this. So just my opinion, though. It's your console. Do whatever you want with it. But either way, I'm very excited for a TV output solution for the Virtual Boy. And hopefully I'd be able to get one and put it through its paces soon enough. Gizmodo just posted a review of 8BitDo's do-it-yourself kits, and it looks exactly as to be expected. Uh, just take whatever controller that you're replacing the, uh, the circuit board of, open it up, swap the guts. If you're using original console controllers, please put them safely somewhere in case you ever want to put it back to stock. Uh, and then that's pretty much it. Um, they just work as advertised. And this might be a great thing for people that want to use their original controllers but need a wireless kit. One of the other things they spoke about in the review that I thought was a much better use, only my opinion, uh, was replacing the innards of the SNES Classic controllers. And I think that would be a perfect thing to do because that way you could have the same controller but without a two-foot cable on those. And, you know, since there's already emulation lag coming from those things, what's a, a potential little bit of Bluetooth lag on top of that? Um, I don't think hardcore gamers are using a SNES Classic, for, especially for any kind of competition. But either way, if you're interested in more details, check out their review. Um, I don't think I'll be doing one just because, I mean, I think this sums it up. You swap the guts and it works. But uh, let me know your thoughts down below. Maybe I'm blowing this off and I shouldn't be. But uh, either way, if you're interested, um, link's down there. I'm sure most of you have heard this by now, but I wanted to mention it anyway because I thought it was kind of cool. The final secret for Doom 2 was just revealed, allowing for 100% completion. And it was such a weird, obscure thing that this was actually listed as a bug in the official Doom Wiki for years. It's not a bug, though. Um, you have to stand in the exact spot um, in, and make sure that an enemy hits you in order to trigger this very final secret. Um, and it seemed so obscure and weird, but John Romero himself confirmed that this is true um, and that it is the, the final secret. So any Doom 2 fans, uh, good luck trying to find this one because I think that's probably beyond my skill level, 100% run like that. Uh, one thing, too, that I always notice whenever I watch these, um, uh, these new footage of old games is how smooth they look running at full frames per second. 
I just remember getting nauseous as a kid, running these in like the you know eight frames per second. My 486 computer could uh, you know could possibly run it at, but it's kind of cracks me up that I could look at these now and not get seasick because it's, so, it's such a smooth animation. Anyway, if you're interested, check out the link below. Last week, I released two pretty important videos for anybody that was looking to use a cheap oscilloscope to test retro gaming voltages. Um, I think both of these videos were awesome, and I think they're going to be super helpful to a small group of people. Uh, I can't see millions of people doing this, but I hope that all of the nerds that work on arcade boards and uh, you know are concerned about console voltage and all that stuff would really watch both of these. Um, the first video just shows Renee and I, when I, I was up visiting in Canada, testing the Owan VDS-1022i versus the Rigel DS-1054z. Now, the Rigel is the scope that all of us from the Retro Roundtable have been using that's been proven to be extremely accurate and good for pretty much all retro gaming use. But it's expensive if you buy all the software updates for it. Um, it's still, even if you don't buy the software updates for it and they magically appear on there, um, it's still $350 versus this $100 scope. And that's really what I wanted to focus in on is the cost versus the usage. Because for something like this, even if you have a scope at home, but maybe you go to plenty of arcade tournaments, throw that little smaller one in your bag and use your laptop to do the testing. And, you know, it's easier to carry around because it's smaller. You could use your laptop with a you know, the nice bigger screen. And not to be negative, but if something bad happens to it, you're only out a hundred bucks, not, you know, almost four times that. So I just thought it was a great thing and a great way to test. And I also did a tutorial video that walks through exactly how to set up and use the scope to test voltages. Now, of course, um, as soon as I posted this, I got a lot of questions of how come you didn't test this scope? How come you didn't test that one? What about used scopes? And they're all great questions, but the bottom line is that I wanted a scope that was readily available today. So you could just go on Amazon and buy the Oan scope. Um, and I also wanted to make sure that it was a new scope because uh, while I'm not even close to an expert, from what everybody's told me, a lot of these older oscilloscopes can go out of calibration and to pay to get them calibrated might actually end up costing more than just this Oan scope. So uh, for basic use of testing voltages coming out of cables and uh, you know, making sure that your arcade boards and your super guns aren't, are, are set up correctly, I think this would be a better choice just because you could buy it and use it. And while I'm curious as to how they calibrate these scopes from the factory, um, they are a tiny bit off from the Rigels, which are, I believe are known to be calibrated quite well for when they're new. It's still within a, mar a margin of error that should be not a, an issue to anybody who just wants to make sure that the voltages are correct. So um, I really hope this is something that I could take that would take people that may have been interested in this, but were a little intimidated by the costs or, or really even just the, the way that you use your average oscilloscope because this one works pretty much like a basic computer program. So for anybody interested, I'll leave both links down below. Um, they're both uh, shorter videos, um, and it's just something that's pretty cool if you really want to learn more about your own stuff. For me personally, now I test everything on the scope just because I have it, and I really like being able to send 
actual data screenshots to people instead of just my explanation of what I see or basic measurements. Uh, I could show the voltages and the currents and everything and be able to say, here's my findings as, as well as my screen captures. But I really do think this is going to be a big deal for people that just want to make sure that everything is running properly and uh, want a small, cheap, portable way to do it. Well, now it's time for this month's Patreon giveaway. Um, I haven't spoken to Patreon yet about if this is really against their rules or not, but I just wanted to get this one done with first, and then I'll bring up that conversation with them. In one way or another, I'll find something that we could do, uh, even if there's a loophole or something. I just, I really enjoy doing these. I really like feeling like I'm giving back to the people that are supporting me, which is very important to me, obviously. <laughs> so uh, anyway, um, this is for... The NES HD starter pack with uh, the Retron HD, a brand new cadet controller, uh, a copy of Top Gun for NES so that we could all fly through the danger zone together, and uh, the instruction manual I have for it. So I will fire up the spin wheel, spin wheel and pick the drawing now. All right, here we go for the NES HD starter pack. Dokken. All right, Dokken, thank you very much for uh, all of your contributions to the Patreon. I say it every week, and I really mean it. I could never do any of this stuff without all of your support, so thank you very much. And if I don't hear from you in a few days, I'll email you directly. Well, that's it for this week. I really hope to see everybody that could make it tonight at iFix Arcade for the My Life in Gaming meetup. I've met Corey before, but this will actually be my first time meeting Mark in person, so I think that'll be fun. Uh, and also, right as I was shooting this today, I just got confirmation that Bordy will be in town next week. So for anybody that can't make it tonight, we'll be back at iFix Arcade either Thursday or Friday, the 13th or 14th, with Bordy himself, and we're going to have another meetup there as well. So um, I'm very excited that I got to officially announce this here and that uh, the confirmation came in just in time. But I will post more information about that as soon as I can. Uh, I hope to see as many people to both of these as possible, and I'm excited that I finally get to hang out with, uh, with so many friends in person that I've worked with over the years on the online before. So, as always, thanks to everybody for watching, and I'll see you next week.